Well, it's been a real joy to have the Narnians leading us today. Um, thank you so much for doing that. Now, as we come to the sermon, I want to see uh, if you can speak a little bit of Welsh with me. Are you up for a little bit of Welsh? Let me teach you two words. Are you ready? The first word is this, bro garoch. Bro garoch. Do you want to try and say that at home? Uh, make sure you're not standing next to anybody because um, spit does tend to come up when you speak Welsh. Uh, bro garoch. Let's try it together. One, two, three. Bro garoch. And the next word sounds very similar to it in the second half. And it's this, gwlad. Garoch. It's a bit harder to say, isn't it? Gwlad Garoch. So let's try together. One, two, three. Gwlad Garoch. I love these two words. Now let me uh, explain the words to you. Both end in Garoch, which is uh, love. So they're both books, uh, words about love. Bro means area, locality. So locality, area, love. And Gwlad, Gwlad, Gwlad means country, nation. So, so country, uh, love. And so really, bro garoch is a word in Welsh that describes love of locality where you live. And um, gwlad garoch means love of nation, of, of your country. Um, and this works out interestingly that um, in Wales and in many other countries around the world, I guess, you can have both bro garoch and gwlad garoch. And it's funny how it works out in different steps. So I was brought up in West Wales in a village called Brynarmen. Now, Brynarmen, if you don't know, has upper and lower. I lived in Upper Brynarmen, which was in Carmarthenshire or David when I was first born, but don't worry about county boundaries. And then Lower Brynarmen um, was in a different county. The river that ran through our village split us into different counties, which meant we went to different schools, accessed different healthcare, and so on and so forth. And Upper Brynarmen was much better than Lower Brynarmen, but that's by the by. And so as children in Sunday school, um, half my class were from Upper Brynarmen and half my class were from Lower Brynarmen. So in our version of the Narnians, we, we would fight. Um, I actually remember being dragged in um, to the main chapel, me and uh, the minister's son covered in blood uh, from the fight we'd had. But look, anyway, um, that, that, that's my bad uh, childhood. And so uh, we loved our actual halves of the village and we were enemies. But then Ammonford, the big town down the road, well, we really didn't like Ammonford because they weren't Brynarmen. And so Brynarmen, both upper and lower, would join together when we wanted to fight against Ammonford. So when we went to the secondary school, we always looked at the Ammonford towny people. Uh, although, interestingly, later in life, I, I lived and uh, moved to, to Ammonford. But then the Ammon Valley, which is the valley that contained both Ammonford and Brynarmen, which both upper and lower, we were, we were the Ammon Valley um, and we were in South Wales. And when we met people from North Wales, the Gogs, well then we didn't, we didn't like them. It's funny how really that you love where you are, but actually depending on who you're looking at, your love grows and grows and grows. And then on International Day, when it came to the rugby, well, hey, South Wales and North Wales, we're one, as long as we beat the English. And then, well, the Welsh, the English, Scots, the Irish, we all come together as the United Kingdom when it comes to the enemies of, well, whoever, I, I don't want to say. Now, why am I thinking about pro-garoch and gwlad garoch? Well, we're looking at Acts 1-8, which is the contents page of, of the Book of Acts. It shows how uh, Jesus promised in our verse for the year that the church would be witnesses in Jerusalem, the Bro, where they lived, Judea and Samaria, that's their Gwlad, their country, 
and the ends of the earth. That's beyond Gwalad, beyond Bro, most definitely. It's out there. And last week we learned how we would reach our Bro, our locality, where we live, our Jerusalem, which for us is Abergavenian area. We saw that the power of the Spirit came down on Pentecost, and because of that the church was able to communicate Christ, the church was able to live as a community, and was able to have compassion on people. And really those three things, to proclaim Christ, to live in the body of Christ, and to act like Christ in the way we love people, was how the church grew. And when you get to Acts chapter 6 verse 7, you come to the end of book 1 because Jerusalem has been reached really. And this is what it says. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. It sounds brilliant until you remember Acts 1.8. They were meant to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. So when you come to chapter 6 verse 7, they're doing well. But actually, they're not following their mission. What about Judea and Samaria? In effect, what the church was doing was reverting to Babel, was being like Jonah. They only wanted to reach their own people and stay where they are. So what does God do? Well, in chapter 6, persecution comes on the church. God literally sends persecution and they are pushed out. So the persecution comes... And then when you get, um, sorry, say to Acts chapter 8, have a look at this. Acts chapter 8 says this. So on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Acts 1.8 is coming to fruition. And when you read on, look down at verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They now obeying the great commandment. And as you go, proclaim Christ. And so as they're pushed out, they can't help but tell people all about Jesus. And, and look at what happens. Look down at chapter 8 and verse 8. I love this. Become and people are converted and says this. So there was great joy in that city. That's down in the city of Samaria. What does that teach us? When the gospel goes out and people meet Jesus and Jesus breaks into their life, there is great joy. You know, sometimes I think we often think of evangelism, outreach as mission as a terrible thing. Oh, it's wonderful, wonderful. Jesus is wonderful. And when people truly meet Jesus, they rejoice. There is great joy. And so have a look at chapter 9 and verse 31. Chapter 9, verse 31 says this. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. That's the end of book 2. So by the time we get to chapter 9, verse 31, the gospel has now gone to Judea and Samaria. And did you notice that? They enjoyed a time of peace. The church doesn't always have to be under persecution. But we need to understand that persecution is not bad. The church can grow under persecution, but the church can also enjoy times of peace. So here's my question this morning. Where is our Judea and Samaria and how do we reach it? Well, the first question, where is our Judea and Samaria? Well, just think about it from a biblical point of view. Uh, Judea really was the country around Jerusalem. Um, and Samaria really was the country next. And now, basically, Israel in the Old Testament, if you remember, had split into the northern and the southern tribes. So the southern was, was Judea. That's where Jerusalem was. And the northern, they were up in uh, Samaria. 
And because of that, the northern tribes were assimilated and taken off first before the, the kind of southern um, exile. And because of that, they were taken off and they intermarried and they kind of went in with the surrounding nations. And the, the south, really, Jerusalem, stayed more, more, more faithful in some senses compared to the north. And ultimately, under Nehemiah and Ezra, uh, they came back. And so by the time we get to the New Testament and the time of Jesus, Jerusalem is again there, there's a temple there, the Jews are worshipping there. But really by that time, the Samaritans were enemies. They were enemies. So you think um, in the New Testament, um, Jesus, um, when he meets the Samaritan woman, um, the disciples are like, not just outraged that she's a woman in those days, but that she's a Samaritan uh, woman. And they have this kind of debate at the start about where to worship. Why? Because the Jews and the Samaritans were enemies. Because really the Samaritans were like polluted Jews. They were ones who had gone off and assimilated to elsewhere. So if you're a Harry Potter fan, um, the Samaritans would be like mudbloods, half human, half wizard. They were kind of half Jewish and half Gentile. So the, the, the kind of desire for the gospel to go from Jerusalem to Judea, okay, they could get that, but to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, well, that, wow, what? We're taking the gospel to our enemies. We're taking the gospel to people who may be close to us, but are completely different from us. So in a sense, that's where they're being pushed out to on this second stage, is to people who are not just in their area, but in their land, but not just who are the same as them Jewish, but actually are Samaritans, are different. And so Jesus, obviously, even in his own ministry, anticipated this in the way that he loved and welcomed the woman from Samaria, but also in the way that he makes one of the greatest heroes in his, in his parables, the good Samaritan. The good Samaritan. He's anticipating the fact that the gospel is going to have to break these bounds and go out. It's always been the plan. And so for us, I think Judea Samaria, roughly speaking for us, uh, would be Wales and the Welsh and the UK and the British. Wales and the Welsh and the UK and uh, the British. And that includes everybody within our isles. Everybody within our isles, whether they were born here or not. And so that really is our Judea and Jerusalem. The problem is, just like the early church, we want to stay local. Um, and as well, not just stay local, we want to stay the same. We want to reach out to people like us, but we can't do that. As a local church, we must have a vision for our Judea. Uh, we must have a vision for Wales. So from Fishguard to Patalba to Bangor and everywhere in between, like Llandavri, Brecon, Betosacoid and Dolgellau. Uh, we need to have a passion for Welsh speakers and non-Welsh speakers, English, Scottish, Irish, Polish, Indian, Sri Lankan, Bulgarian and even people from Llanfoist. And we need to realise that Wales needs the gospel. Uh, one website uh, of an organisation that reaches out to Wales says this. 150 years ago, the majority of people in Wales were listening regularly to evangelical preaching. 70 years ago, the chapels had more members than ever in their history. Today, <clears throat> today less than 2% of the population can be described as evangelical. Dozens of towns and hundreds of villages have no Bible-believing church, and many that do have a, who have are seeing a relentless decline. Stronger churches in other parts of Wales are doing much in their immediate area and overseas, but few have a clear commitment and strategy for their own nation. 
So Wales isn't doing well spiritually. There's a desperate need for the gospel. But actually, the problem is this. Local churches understand the need to reach where they are, and local churches understand the need for global mission, but very few churches understand the need to reach Wales. That is their Judea. We understand the first part of Acts 1.8. We understand the third part of Acts 1.8. But we often miss the middle part, the need to reach <coughs> Wales. But it's not just Judea, it's Samaria. It's not just Wales, it's, it's the UK. We need to understand that we are British. We're in uh, the United Kingdom. Now, um, uh, John Stevens, who is the head of the FIC, the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches, he says, in terms of the UK, he writes, For more than 150 years, the church has effectively committed suicide by abandoning the gospel message and proclaiming to the population that it does not believe its own historic doctrines and their necessity for eternal salvation. It's a harsh comment, but a fair one. In the UK, really... Um, across England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales, we have abandoned the gospel um, in the churches. And so the church in Britain has declined and declined and declined and declined. And we as a church have a responsibility for both Wales and the UK. We need to get away from our Jerusalem obsession and realise that we need to reach out. And let me prove the Jerusalem obsession to you. I want you to imagine that um, this year, uh, we uh, get in £30,000 more than anticipated. What a wonderful problem, isn't it? And so at the end of the year, we have this £30,000 uh, in. I want you to imagine that you decide not to save the 30000 and put it in the bank for a rainy day, because that's what the Bible says, doesn't it? A uh, rainy day is next to godliness. Um, I want you to imagine that we have a members' meeting where we're going to decide what to do with this £30,000. Here's my question. Should the £30,000 go to Abergavenny or Bryn Mawr? Where would you put the £30,000? Abergavenny or Bryn Mawr? Or what about this then? Where should we invest the £30,000 in gospel work? In Monmouthshire or Anglesey? In Monmouthshire or Anglesey? Or, or let's go a little bit bigger. Well, what, what should we do strategically with the £30,000? Should we spend it on Wales or Scotland? Now, if you're honest, most of us have gone Abergavenny, Monmouthshire, Wales. Very few of us have gone Bryn Mawr, Anglesey, Scotland. We have a Jerusalem obsession, and part of that is because God has put us where we are, placed us where we are, and that is a need. But Act 1-8 is there to make sure that we don't bend inwards and become Jerusalem obsessed. We need to look out to Judea and Samaria. So here's the question then. How do we reach Judea and Samaria? How do you reach Wales and England? Some of you are still struggling with the last two weeks sermon where I said we've got to reach Abergavenny and area. Now I'm lumping in Wales and the UK. So how do you reach Wales and the UK? Simple. Not alone. Not alone. The only way we can reach Wales and the UK is to be not alone, to cooperate, to collaborate, to have fellowship, to have friends, to have family. You see, we must work with other Christians and other churches around Wales and the UK. Now, as a church, we are an independent church. That means that we're not part of an official denomination. So um, within our church structures, there are members and elders. Uh, elders lead the church, but members vote within that church. And ultimately, the authority for Cornerstone Church is within a, a local church. So no other church... And no other body has authority over us. We are an independent church. 
<clears throat> no, there is a false idea that independency naturally leads to isolation. That if you're an independent church, you become an isolated church. Well, that doesn't have to happen. We need to be really careful of that. Now, there is a natural tendency with the Jerusalem obsession and an independent church structure to become isolationists. And that is exacerbated by our independence, but we need to push through it. We need to realise that independent churches need to look out. And so we're part of something called the FIC, the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches, which was set up back in 1922 to help independent churches work together, to be a mutual help and support to one another. Because independent churches shouldn't be isolated, but rather independent churches should be interdependent. Interdependent. We should help one another. Let me be clear. We need other churches and other churches need us. We need other churches and other churches need us. So let me look three ways, quickly three ways, in how we can become a church which is interdependent, how we can become a church which has a focus on Judea and Samaria, Wales and uh, the UK. So three thoughts. Thought number one, pray like Jesus. Pray like Jesus. If you want to have a heart for the area around you, glad, Garuch, you've got to pray like Jesus. John chapter 17, verse 21, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. This is what he prays. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The Lord Jesus prayed for unity. You see, you pray for what you're passionate about and what you pray about, you're passionate about. And so we need to pray for church unity in areas and countries. We need to pray for fellowship. And the more we pray, the more passion we have, the more passion we have for Wales and the UK, the more we will pray for it. Unity starts on our knees. Unity starts on our knees. We should fill our prayers with prayers for other churches and pray for a heart of generosity. So when that extra £30,000 comes up in the members' meeting, someone goes, but Jonathan, shouldn't we spend that on North Wales? But Jonathan, shouldn't we spend that on Yorkshire? Wouldn't that be a wonderful way to think instead of me, 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 keep all the money for me? No, 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 no. Share share. So the first thing we must do is pray like Jesus. The second way I think we can reach Wales in the UK is to partner in Jesus, to partner in Jesus. Uh, if you look at a letter like Galatians, interestingly, it's not written to one church, but a number of churches. So Galatians chapter 1 and verse 2 says this, he writes in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Verse 2, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Galatia was an area. And so he's writing a letter to an area. And in fact, if you look down in Galatians uh, chapter 1 and verse 22, he makes another passing comment where he says, I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. So he's able to talk about churches in Galatia and churches in Judea. So when you're in, a, in, a, in an area, when you're in a nation or in a kind of ethnic grouping, you can have churches. There is a, a unity. So there is a unity in churches that goes beyond the unity of members in a local church and is not just the unity in the Catholic Universal Church, which is all believers of all time in all places. You can have unity locally in Wales and the UK. 
because we're part of the universal church. We're united in Christ and we are one. And so when we partner across our nation, and we can do that in different ways, we can partner, for example, practically. We see that in the New Testament where they, uh, the churches get together to have a collection for the poor in Jerusalem. So you can do that. You can help one another practically, but as well you can help one another with proclamation. Um, so uh, where we get together and we send missionaries and mission teams and help. Now I need to stop and pause here. Unity is in truth. So we unite with people who are in Christ. We don't just unite with anybody and everybody. Uh, we unite with brothers and sisters in Christ. There are boundaries. Now, the way we unite with other churches, um, because who do you unite with? How, how do you unite with them? How, how does it work practically? As a church, we kind of work on, on two assumptions. The churches we work with are either friends or family. Friends or family. What I mean is a lot of the churches that we work with across um, <clears throat> Wales and England are friends, literally. We have friends in those churches. So, for example, Christ Church in Newport, more and more so, is a friend to us. Um, they have helped us in lots of different ways, and I go and preach there, and um, we did a weekend away together. They are our friends. We have no formal links. We're not signed up to anything that's the same, but we are friends. We preach in each other's pulpits, and we help each other. So our person who is setting up Church Suite was working for us a couple of days a week over the next few months. They are being trained and supported by Christchurch. It's a friendship. And there's a lovely way um, to have friendship. So Whitfield in, in town, we are friends. I love uh, to hang out uh, outside of the pandemic with Ian Haywood. We're good friends. Um, James Sirkum in Crickowell. I preach there. He has preached with us. Other people in church preach there. We work together and help each other. We are friends. Um, Cumbran, Johnny Rain, I preach there. He preaches here. Together we work on um, holding a union hub in our centre. Um, and so Johnny Rain is there. Um, James Sirkum is there. And Johnny uh, Jonathan from um, Monmouth is there as well. And we have friendships with Monmouth Baptist Church. A number of the men in the church preach there and Jonathan has preached with us and we help one another. None of us have formal links but we're friends and it's good to have friends all around the UK. But it's not just friendship, there's also family and as a church we've made a decision many years ago to be in the FIC church family, the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches. It's not a denomination but it is something that we sign up to. Uh, something that we give money to. It's something that we look to for advice and, and help. And we're part of the FIC. And that really is our family. It's not a denomination, but it is a family. And through being part of the FIC, um, we are able to support other churches across the UK. So the money that we give to the FIC is, in effect, mission giving. Um, because it goes to church planting, gospel workers, and helping struggling churches all across the UK. So let me um, introduce you to a couple of churches. Is that okay? Let me show you, for example, a church in Wales who are our friends. Um, so they send people to preach with us. We go and preach with them. And we had a weekend away together. But they're part of the family as well. And that is a great church in Swansea uh, where my good friend Steve Levy pastors. Have a look at this church. Swansea is a great city, a post-industrial town, so it's got high, very high unemployment, uh, a lot of poverty. 
a city centre church has all kinds of people in it. So that's the challenge and sometimes that means focusing on one particular group. But I think the biggest concern at the moment for us is the heroin addicts. Everywhere else has got bad news, but in Mount we've got good news and we're a bunch of sinners, but we've got a saviour who loves us and cares for us. I love our church because it is completely full of every different kind of people you can come across. So we've got like really young, we've got really old, we've got people from all different nationalities. We come from a Muslim background. Somebody witnessed to us, God opened our eyes and then through the reading the word of God and, uh, and then we were saved. Now we have a system where the whole church reads the Bible through in three years and then they get together and share and the information comes back to the elders from each group and we see where God is leading the church through his word. I've learned such a lot from reading the Bible with the rest of the church, my church family. Always we find something new and we learn something new from it. I love Neith. When we started the church plan we decided we'd reach the people nobody wanted to reach. So we would go for drug addicts, we'd go for men with special needs. I'd love our people to have a more excited vision for the families and the place of work they've called them and to see that that is where God has placed them and it is of huge significance. I love that church and I love Swansea and that is one of the best uh, church videos I've ever seen. See, friends and family overlap. They overlap, just like Acts 1 8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the earth all overlap. It's all mixed in. Now, the wonderful part of being uh, uh, in the FIC family, then, is it isn't just people we know naturally or people within Wales, but we support churches around the UK. Part of what I loved um, about being part of the FIC trust board when I was there uh, was um, being friends with, with Alan Knight, and he's up in Scotland. So let me show you a church that we partner with, a family with, through the FIC. Sit back and watch this church in Glasgow. We're situated just near Glasgow city centre. We are about 200 yards from the UK Home Office. There are 4,000 asylum seekers coming to Glasgow every year, and that's given us a great opportunity to engage with people from virtually every nation under the sun. The key ministry for bringing in new people from an asylum seeking background is our community meal. It's a tandem approach. We have the gospel proclamation consistent throughout everything we're doing and then practical support to minister to their lives. There is a support that you are getting from them, but behind that support, there is that Christian life communicated. I love the sheer international base of it. It's humbling, you know, you think you've got it hard sometimes and then you hear what other people have gone through and it, it opens your eyes a little bit. Our vision is to be a multinational Scottish church. Basically on any given Sunday there'll be 60 or 70 people receiving the sermon either in Spanish or in Farsi. It's good seeing people, especially like from countries that you couldn't do a public baptism, being able to be here and be surrounded by people that love them and to be able to be baptised and it's just, it's a buzz. I, myself, my wife and two sons, we also baptised here in this church. It's an honour for us. 
We are very grateful to FIC for making a, a grant from the Mission Fund to us and that's going to help us to appoint a cross-cultural worker and we're praying and thinking about the possibility of church planting and I think we would be looking to try and do planting that involves multinational church because that's what the Lord has given us here. There's so much more we could do. So we want to see every person who comes to Glasgow to find a new life, finding actual new life in Christ and believing that he once again will do more than we could ask or imagine. So look, there's just a couple of churches that we partner with, and there's so many other churches that we um, partner with in so many um, different ways. We partner with Owen Cottam, church planting in Cardiff. Uh, we partner with Yorkshire Camps with Dave Fielder. There's loads of ways. Alison and Hugh Williams in Ireland. We need friends, we need family, that's wonderful. So we pray like Jesus, we partner in Jesus. And thirdly and finally, just very quickly for you, we persevere with Jesus. Thirdly and finally, we persevere with Jesus. We need to understand that unity is hard work and getting out of the, the kind of Jerusalem obsession is hard work, but we need to persevere. And to persevere, I would say, just remember our place and, and the purpose of this. What is the purpose of this unity? Well, I think it's joy in Jesus. When you read the New Testament, there's real joy in unity and it brings joy to Jesus. I think the second thing it brings is strength in mission. When we work together in mission, we can reach out. How would we ever be able to plant churches up in the north of Scotland? It would be impossible for us, but as part of the FIC, we're doing it. It's wonderful. But I think as well, our voices together across Wales and UK uh, gives us a voice in politics. One of the ways that we can influence policymakers and lawmakers is by joining together in various organisations. And so actually, unity nationally is very important politically. And as we do that, we, we just need to remember that we all have different parts to play. Um, our partnership with different churches will vary and we look differently in different ways. It's, it's like the body analogy, really, taken from a local church to a, to a kind of national <clears throat> church. And so sometimes we'll have different roles to play. Someone who's really helped my thinking on this is a, is a, is a friend of mine, Neil Powell. Um, Neil and I taught a course on church um, in union together, and he wrote a book called Together for the City, which is the story of something he led called Birmingham 2020. The idea was to plant 20 churches in Birmingham by 2020, and they did it. They actually planted more um, than 20 churches. And the way they did it was through kind of collaboration cooperation. They work together with lots of different churches and lots of different Christians across an area. And because they were willing to work with different people and work in different roles and therefore have different levels of authority and involvement and responsibility, they were able to do far more. And so Neil Powell in his book helpfully comes up with different examples. He says, look, some people when we work together, so take for example church planting. So a friend of mine is planting a church in, in Neath, okay? And uh, Will is planting a church in Neath, and loads of different people are involved. So some people are the sowers, the sowers. That's Will and his team, because they are on the ground in Neath. So they're the sowers. But then there are other people who are the senders. Well, that's actually Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, who we just saw the video of, because Mount Pleasant have sent Will. They're the ones who are sending the mission team, and so they are senders. But then there are other churches and Christians in Wales who are supplying. They're supplying the church plant. They're helping them with 
finances and training. So, for example, Union School of Theology has been helping them and training them. But as well, there are other uh, churches out there who are supporting them in prayer and in finances. There's churches in Bari, in Cardiff, in Worthing and in Edinburgh helping them. And next week when we look at global missions, actually that Neath Church plant is on the global mission planting um, kind of mindset and prayer list of Sarang Church in Korea. You see, it takes churches to plant a church. The ones sowing, sending, supplying and supporting. Here's my question. Cornerstone, what are we involved in? What are you involved in? What are you supplying the need for? What are we supplying the need for in some other church in Wales in the UK? What about supporting? What other churches are we supporting? As I say, um, Owen Cottom in Cardiff, we need to be praying for Owen and Charlotte Cottom. Uh, Dave Fielder up in Yorkshire Camps, we need to be praying for Dave. But on Wednesday in our prayer meeting, we've got John Funnell coming from Abersachen, just a stone's throw away, and an amazing work of grace. We are going to, as a church, partner with Abersachen. Do you know why? They're growing and they're seeing people converted, but just a stone's throw away, they can't raise money because all of their people are struggling financially. Here, we don't struggle financially so much. And so actually, as a cash-rich church, we can bless Abbasachan church. And, and do you know what? They can probably bless us by teaching us how to reach out. We need to go cap in hand and say, look, here's money. We can give you money, but tell us, how are you reaching your town? What are you doing that so many people are being converted? We can help one another and we need to do more. Let me end with an illustration from Neil Powell. Um, Neil Powell talks about the raindrop theory and he says look rain when it comes to rain you get all these kind of water particles that go up into the cloud okay but when they're up in the cloud they've been light enough to be lifted up in the cloud well then how do they come back down? To be light enough to go up is not to be heavy enough to come down. So what do they have to do? What do these particles have to do? Up in the clouds, they have to come together and join together. And when they collaborate together, they gain weight and the rain comes down. That's how showers of blessing come down on the land to refresh it, by the particles coming together. How do we reach Wales? How do you reach the UK? By the churches in Christ coming together, joining together, shows of blessing will come on wheels in the UK. Brothers, sisters, Cornerstone, we need to be generous. We need to reach Abergavenny, yes, but we need to reach Wales in the UK as well. And next week, we'll look at how we need to be involved in global missions. So let's sing a great song together with our virtual choir, Facing a Task Unfinished. <laughs>